Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to episode number 200 of the Love Life Connection podcast. I am so thrilled to be recording episode number 200. And of course, this show wouldn't be here without you. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of this community. Your presence is seen, it is felt, and I am so deeply grateful. And so to celebrate episode 200, I wanted to do something special and I wasn't sure what I was going to do for a while. And then I remembered last year, I sent an email to my community where I pulled back the curtains and shared what 2018 was really like for me. And so in this email, I went month by month and I shared some wins, but I also shared some challenges and what I learned. And I was absolutely blown away by the positive feedback. Many of you told me that you really appreciated it because it helped you to feel not so alone or it helped you to feel not so bad about yourself if you didn't reach your goals or if you quote unquote failed. So I thought that this would be the perfect way to do something a little bit different to celebrate 200 episodes. So today I'm going to pull back the curtains and tell you what 2019 was really like for me. Some of it was amazing and some of it was anything but. But before we get there really quick, I want to let you know something else that I'm doing to celebrate 200 episodes. So a little bit of backstory first, when I work with my clients, I typically work with them for about four to six months because I believe it takes time for change and transformation to happen, right? We're doing deep work. I'm not just updating your profile for you. So sometimes I get asked if I do one-off sessions with clients and generally the answer is no. But I do know that maybe one-on-one coaching is not really what you're energetically or financially available for, or perhaps you just want to dip your toe in first to see if coaching would be right for you before you made a big investment of time, energy, or money. 
So for a very, very limited time, like for the next four days, I'm offering coaching sessions for $200 to celebrate 200 episodes. And one hour, I can help you figure out why you're in the dating pattern that you're in or what's keeping you stuck in your love life or why you can't get over that ex, even though maybe it ended years ago or you didn't even date that long. And I can help you to create a plan to move forward. And following our session, we'll have email coaching for one week as you implement your plan, just so you can get anything squared away, any questions answered as you integrate and start implementing the plan that I give you. So normally, if I were to do this publicly, this would be an offer at $350. This is only going to be $200 for a very limited time. I rarely offer one-off sessions, and when I do, they will never, ever be at this price point again. So if you love a good deal, I suggest you jump on this. There will be no next time. And so if you're looking for that shove to get some coaching, consider this it. So to book your coaching spot with me for just $200, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash 200. These spots will fill up, so please don't delay. And once they're gone, they are gone for good. Okay, back to 2019. So to begin 2019, I actually need to back up just a little bit to 2018 in case you're a little bit newer to me. But in 2018, my husband and I were living in Denver, Colorado, I loved Colorado. It fit my personality in so many ways, the hiking, just the outdoor culture. And we had no plans to move anywhere. We were planning to raise a family there. And then in September, actually, when I was in Bali on a retreat with my coach that I was working with, my husband emailed me or texted me and said, oh, I got this job interview in San Francisco. Didn't really think much about it. He said he bombed the interview. Long story short, he got it. And it was a job that he just couldn't turn down. And so all of a sudden, we were going to be uprooting our lives and moving from Colorado to California. Neither one of us were happy about this move. He didn't want to go because he immediately started doing the math and was not a fan of the cost of living out here. And I was fine with the idea of California. I just didn't want to move because I really loved Colorado. And Colorado was just beginning to feel like home. We had just began to establish a community of friends. And we had just been moving around so much. The thought of moving was just such heavy energy for me. And more than that, I was pretty sure California was not going to be our forever place. So I was like, gosh, if we move to California now, we're going to have another move again in our future. Spoiler alert, turns out we do. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. So that's where 2019 started off for me. We were literally moving to California from Colorado on January 1st. We took a little road trip from Denver to Mill Valley, which is where we ended up living, which is just across the Golden Gate Bridge in Marin County. And we stopped in Utah and Lake Tahoe, some of my favorite places, and made a really wonderful trip. And once we got to Mill Valley, what I didn't realize here is that there's more or less two seasons. There's the rainy season and the dry season. And we were here for about three days and it didn't rain, but then it started raining and it literally did not stop until February or March. I mean, maybe we'd have a day or two, two or three days max in a row where there was no rain, but it was just rain constantly. And I feel kind of weird just complaining about the weather, but for any of you who live in Northern California or maybe in the Pacific Northwest or I don't know, Northern Europe, 
the weather really gets to you. And I'm moving here from Colorado, which has more than 300 days of sunshine and it rains, it rains for like an hour and then it's done and then it's sunny again. And so this just really, really shook my energy. On top of that, we had lots of problems with our movers. They were making us pay a lot of extra money because there was a lot of stairs going down to our house, which is very common in Mill Valley. And also they took a week longer than they were supposed to. So we were literally sleeping on an air mattress and an empty house where we didn't know a lot of people and it just wouldn't stop raining. And that whole month, I was just like, what the hell? Why did we move here? I was living in one of my favorite places in the world. And now we just moved to a shithole. And that's really what I thought of Marin County when it just rained like that constantly. So January finally turned into February. And unfortunately, the weather really didn't change that much. But I did have one thing to look forward to in the end of February, which is a trip to Iceland that my mom, sister and I were planning. And I was pretty much hands off on this trip. I didn't really do a lot of planning, which is very unusual for me. Of course, if I had done some of the planning, I would have probably done some things a little different, maybe like not have gone during that time of year because it really sucked because the range has followed me over to Iceland, which was not super fun. But more than that, and as it relates to a lot of the topics that we talk about on this podcast is, you know, I was a little worried about going because there's definitely some tension among the women in my family, to say the least. And so I was just a little worried about what it would be like to be traveling and living in close quarters for a week in a foreign country. And I certainly didn't want to get myself feeling like I was just trapped and, you know, going to be miserable or frustrated for however long the vacation was. And it turns out that some of that did happen. It was really challenging. And I actually had a moment where I was just really frustrated. And I actually called one of my coaches and I was just like, this is awful. I feel like I'm stuck on a desert island. You know, it was just kind of that kind of mentality. And she coached me through having a really powerful conversation with my mom. And I was just, you know, I was just like, oh, it's not going to work. Like, you don't understand. Like, you don't understand my situation. And I did what she asked me to do. And I have to say it has radically transformed my relationship to her. And also what's really interesting is, you know, I talk a lot about inner child work on the show and how the things that happen to us when we're kids, we create a story about it. And that really creates the lens in which we see the world, right? We know that we've seen that a lot with my clients that I've had on the show, maybe you can begin to see the patterns in your own life. What I talk less about is the actual relationship that you have with your parents. And one thing that was really interesting to me was after I had the conversation with my mom, I came back home to Stevie and my relationship with Stevie was just so much more powerful and deep. And I didn't feel like I sometimes needed to get things from him, especially if I was feeling triggered or not good enough or something was wrong with me. And that was because by having the conversation with my mom and just getting some things healed and worked out it had subconsciously healed some of the things within me that create some of these less than ideal behaviors in my romantic partnership with my husband. And it's not even that our relationship was bad or problematic before this conversation I had, but that 
I just noticed such a lightening of the energy after I had this conversation. So I've been doing more of this work with some of my clients, you know, depending on what comes up for them and what the struggles are in their life. But I don't want you to discredit having powerful conversations with your parents in real time, if that's available to you. Because I do think that there's a lot of opportunity there for healing and for radically transforming your patterns, beliefs, all that kind of stuff. So once I got back to the US from Iceland, we were into March, and I was getting ready to start off the next round of the Love Incubator. And it was a fabulous, fabulous group of women in the Love Incubator. If you were in the 2019 group of the Love Incubator, shout out to you. I adored each and every one of you, and I loved working with you. I just am so amazed by the women who come out to say, yes, please, I'm raising their hand and to do this work because they are brave. They have so much courage because this stuff is not easy, but their lives become radically transformed. And the things that change in their life is not just their love life. And so it's just an honor to be a part of that journey. And I was just really thrilled with who came to me you know, during that time for the Love Incubator. And I had such a blast working with them. On the personal front, the weather started lightening up a little bit in case you were worried. (laughs) Of course, the rain had totally gone away, but you know, it wasn't like an everyday thing. It might have been like a two times a week thing, which wasn't ideal because at that point I was just so traumatized by the rain I needed to stop altogether. However, I could manage two days a week or so. But what's a little bit more difficult is my friendships and the community that I thought I was going to have here in Mill Valley. So I knew some people here before I moved and they were such great helps in helping me find a neighborhood and a place to live. And I'm really grateful for that. But unfortunately, the friendship didn't extend to when I was actually moving here. So the bad news is certainly it hurt and it was frustrating that I didn't have the friendships that I thought I was going to have here before I moved. But the good news is that it really just showed how much growth that I've done over the past couple of years, because so much of working with Nisha, who I've talked about on the show and doing the work with the other mastermind sisters really helped me to heal a lot of these deeper wounds that I had around female friendships. And so while yes, it hurt, it didn't erode at my worthiness. And so I was really pleased about that. Of course, not spiritually bypassing, still feeling the hurt, but also being able to celebrate how far I've come in that area of my life over the past couple of years. So at this point, we knew San Francisco was not the long term for us between the community and the weather and the cost of living. And Honestly, I deeply, deeply miss the snow. I'm someone who loves winter. I love snow. And people say, oh, just drive to Tahoe. I'm like, no, I want snow to be in my backyard while I sip hot cocoa. Like, that is what I want. (laughs) So, you know, we knew San Francisco was going to be long term. And we just assumed that we were going to do our best to be able to move back to Colorado after Stevie had done one year on the job here. Now, that means we would have to break our lease because we had that 15-month lease. And we were willing to do what we needed to do, find a tenant, find a subletter, something, because we knew that we did not want to be here for a long time. However, we still had another nine months to live here. And that's a really hard place to be in energetically where you're like, I'm here. I want to be happy. I don't want to be alone all the time. I want to hang out with people. But then also having the back of your head, like how much do I actually want to commit to this friendship or this community or this whatever, because we're leaving. It's really hard. I don't recommend it. And in that way, I feel 2019 was stagnant in a lot of ways because we were just waiting to move. 
which again, if you've ever been in that situation, it's really, really crappy. Anyways, so our plan was to move back to Denver after a year of being here. And by the time April came around, we took a trip to the East Coast to celebrate uh, Passover. I almost said Easter for some reason, which is really funny because I've never celebrated Easter, but I don't know why I almost said that. We went back to the East Coast to celebrate Passover with Stevie's parents. And I want to back up here and just say Stevie would have moved back to Philadelphia East Coast years ago. He liked Colorado, but he kind of just wanted to be back on the East Coast. He was thinking more practically, it's less expensive. When we have kids, it would be easier to be near his parents and my family and all of those things. And I was like, yeah, don't care. Want to be in Colorado. That was pretty much our conversation. So it didn't go very far. And when we were in New Jersey visiting his parents for the holiday, we took a day to drive down to Washington, D.C. And I just had this thought that just came up kind of randomly. And I said, Stevie, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm not agreeing to anything here, but I just have a question. So if you can answer it from that place, then I would like to ask it. And he said, okay, what's your question? And I said, my question is, what would it be like to move to Philadelphia? I just wanted to know what it would be like. What would our life be like? What kind of place would he live in? Would he want to live in the suburbs? Would he want to live in the city? What kind of relationship would we have with the Jewish community there? Would we be expected to go to his parents' house all the time who are really, really religious? And I'm not really interested in that. And so we just had a conversation about what that would look like. And the image he was able to paint in my mind actually seemed really nice. We would live in the city of Philadelphia and probably a town home or something like that. We wouldn't go to his parents' house that much. We wouldn't have to be super religious like them, all of those things. And I thought, okay, yeah, I think this might be something that I might want to do. Because on that drive to DC, just this wave of groundedness and this feeling of home that I hadn't felt in years just washed over me. And it just felt so good. And that's when it hit me like I can have this feeling all the time and not just two or three times a year, we come back to the East Coast. So that's really when we started to think, okay, maybe we won't move back to Colorado, but we'll actually move back to the East Coast to Philadelphia. So by May, we got back to the West Coast back into California. And I knew in my gut that I wanted to move back to the East Coast. But there is this part of me that thought there was something about being on the East Coast or being close to where I grew up as boring and that our adventure would be over. So for those of you who don't know, in 2015, Stevie and I moved to Dallas together, lived there for two years, moved to Colorado, lived there for about two years, and then moved to California, where we'll end up living for a year. And it was just interesting, and it was new, and it was different. We're both from the East Coast, and so being off the East Coast just kind of felt like a novelty and seeing big world out there. And so the idea of moving back to the East Coast just kind of felt like 20-year-old to still hang out in the high school parking lot. And I know that's not true just because I'm moving back to the East Coast. Plenty of people live close to the place they grew up and there's nothing wrong or bad about that. I just had this stigma in my head that was like my own shit that I had to work through in order to be fully aligned in making this move back to the East Coast. 
But once I did, it just felt so good. Now, yes, is there a part of me that's still a little sad to be quote unquote done with the adventure? Sure. But I know that there's going to be plenty of opportunities to have adventure in our future. And when I think about moving to Colorado versus Pennsylvania, I know in my heart that if we moved back to Colorado, which is what I thought I wanted, then we would just be moving to Philadelphia probably a couple years after that, which would mean two more moves rather than just one more move. So Philadelphia feels really, really good. Hey there, I wanted to jump in here real quick to let you know about a brand new free workshop I've created. It's called the five step strategy to banish anxiety and overwhelm in your love life. So you can attract a fulfilling partnership and live a life of purpose. In the workshop, I break down exactly why you're in the dating pattern you're in, the number one reason why successful women specifically struggle in love, and of course, what to do about it, and how to take the confidence you feel in the rest of your life and apply it to your dating life. And of course, so much more. If you like my style, my philosophy, and how I coach women on the show, you're going to love this workshop. I teach you the why and how behind a lot of what I do while even digging a bit into the science of love so you can begin to see real change in your own love life. It's really all of my best work in one place, and you can access the free workshop right now. You don't have to spend years in therapy or read every damn book in the self-help aisle to dramatically transform your love life. If you feel like you have it all but love, this is 100% for you. So grab your free seat at veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop. And now back to the show. Okay, so on the business front, things were less clear and in less alignment. So I shared earlier that the Love Incubator was going really well, and it continued to go really well. And I really loved holding the space for the women in that group. And then for the Love Action Tribe, again, I really loved the women that were there. I loved holding that container. And it was a very different kind of container. But I loved it nonetheless. The problem was that I was having a really hard time sharing and explaining what the Love Action Tribe was to women who were not inside the Love Action Tribe. The thing is, is that when you're selling a course or a coaching program like the Love Incubator or one-on-one coaching, there's an arc, right? There's a start, there's a middle, and then there's an end. So people can see where they can be by the end of the time that the container is supposed to be complete. But the Love Action Tribe, there's no end per se, until you decide to cancel. And so it's just this community that keeps growing and it keeps building. And of course, there is things that we would do every month, like a moon circle, and there would be themes with lessons, and there was some group coaching and things like that. But it wasn't the same kind of beginning, middle, end type of arc. Not to say that you can't sell memberships. I personally just had a difficult time explaining what it was. And that just made it really difficult to get the right women in there. And so the community hadn't really grown in the way that I wanted it to have have grown. And so I decided that I needed to invest in some branding and marketing so that I could help sell it and explain it better. And so I worked with someone to help me upgrade my branding and my photography. And also she helped me to create a video to sell the Love Action Tribe, which would better explain what the membership was all about. Now, the new photography and the new branding, that was just for my business in general. So that wasn't just specifically a Love Action Tribe expense, but the video was specifically a Love Action Tribe expense. And 
that lunch did not go the way that I wanted it to. And I had spent so much time and money on creating a three-part series and then a workshop and everything was beautiful. Everyone said they liked what I did, but it just didn't transfer people into the tribe the way I had wanted it to. And so by the end of that launch, I was freaking out because I had just put a lot of money into it and I just didn't get what I needed out of it back. And so from a financial perspective, that was also really scary, but also I had put unfair pressure on it. And here's what was really going on. I had this belief that I needed to have the Love Action Tribe be at a certain level of revenue before I could even think about getting pregnant because that would basically be my maternity leave. Now, the thing about having your own business is there's tons of flexibility baked in and it's great and I'm not complaining about that. I would say one downside is, is that I don't have sick leave. I don't have maternity leave. Now, I know a lot of people working for employers and companies don't have maternity leave, but I don't even have sick leave. I don't have anything. And I can't even take uh, disability insurance out from the state because I work for myself. So any kind of maternity leave that I'm going to have is either going to be unpaid or it's any kind of passive thing that I put together or it's just money that I've saved up in my business. And so I just had this belief that I had to have the membership to this certain place before before I could get pregnant. And so I just kept putting it off and off and off and off. And that was creating a lot of tension in our relationship with Stevie, because then that brings me to June. And at this point, Stevie really wanted to start trying and talking about what we needed to do to have kids. And honestly, I think if we had stayed in Denver, there's a good chance we'd already have kids or at least already be pregnant at this point because we're just stable and things were good and we would have bought a house at some point or rented a house or something and we would just continue to establish our lives there. But I was really not ready for kids for two reasons. One is I had this limiting belief that my business wasn't ready. I also had a limiting belief that a baby would kill my business and also I don't know if it had to do anything with my limiting beliefs or this is a totally separate thing, but I feel like my mom genes or my kid genes just hadn't turned on. You know, I would see all my friends and their kids and their babies and all that stuff. And all I could think was, oh my God, they're really cute. But like, oh, how many diapers are you changing? And are you sleeping at all? And I was just at a point where I was just too selfish, honestly, to bring another human into this world because I didn't want to spend my time in that way. I had no desire to do that. And I was also going through a lot where I realized, you know, I think, especially as girls, when we're being raised, it's just assumed we're going to get married and have kids, right? That's just the way society works for the most part. And so that's what I thought. I would thought that at some point when I was younger, that I would have kids when I got older. I think I remember thinking I would be married by 24 and have a kid by 26, which is hilarious. Definitely didn't happen on that timeline, but it just was assumed, right? I assumed. And then once I got older and started feeling more established in my adulthood, I thought, huh, okay, I actually don't have to have kids. And life without kids can be really nice. There's lots of freedom. There's a lot more extra money around. And I kind of liked the life that we were living. And yet I knew that Stevie wanted kids. And so this brought me to July. And at this point, the Love Action Tribe was, again, the women in the community itself was fantastic. It was amazing. However, I was still having a really hard time growing it. And so I just kept putting off the whole kids thing because I thought, not ready, not ready, not ready. Baby's going to kill my business. Got to have this thing ready. And then we can start talking about it. But also what was interesting is soon after I 
closed the doors to the Love Action Tribe for that launch that was back in May, I actually did a separate email that was like, basically, hey, we just closed the doors to the Love Action Tribe. Maybe that wasn't for you because you want more accountability or more handholding. So here's another opportunity. And I sent an email basically inviting people to work with me one-on-one instead of inside the Love Action Tribe. And I can't remember exactly how many clients came from that email, but I think it was like five or six. And client work one-on-one was a lot more than the Love Action Tribe. And that was a huge lesson for me because that first made me see, A, how do the people in my community want to work with me? And B, it also helped me to get really clear on business finances and really understanding revenue versus expenses and gross income and all of that kind of stuff. So again, I had learned this lesson of, okay, maybe the Love Action Tribe isn't going to be my maternity leave ticket. But then I also wasn't really sure what to do with my business because while I love working with one-on-one and clients, and that's the only way I work with clients now, actually, I can talk a little bit more about that later. I was still really worried about how I could have that kind of business and have a baby because, you know, I couldn't be having a kid and trying to take care of the kid while I also had a client on the phone. Like, that's not fair to the client. And that'd be madness and craziness for me. But I was also really certain that I didn't want to be pregnant while we were living in California. And that was for one big reason. And one is, well, I guess two. One is I just thought it'd be stressful to have to switch providers in the middle of your pregnancy. I mean, I know people do it. People move all the time when they don't want to. It happens. It wouldn't be the end of the world. But it wasn't something that I was really excited about. But I would say the bigger reason why I really wanted to put off having a pregnancy in California is I was just really afraid what pregnancy was going to do to my body. I'd been pregnant twice before. I was really, really sick during both of them, especially the first one, because it went on a little longer. Lots of hormones just like raging through me. And the last thing I wanted was just to feel lonely and to be alone and also to have, you know, all the stuff going on in my body. I really dreamed of finding a yoga studio that catered towards pregnant women and having like an acupuncturist that could take me through my whole pregnancy journey and just being able to build a community around pregnancy. And then of course, finding women who are also along the same timeline as me more or less and then having like, you know, meetups and play dates and all that kind of stuff. And so I thought that if I had either done all of that here in California or started it here, it would really impede my ability to take advantage of that when we moved to Philadelphia, because I mean, I know how pregnant I would be at that point, but I just thought I'd miss out on that opportunity. And so I told Stevie that and I was really nervous to tell him because again, he wanted kids years ago. And I just wasn't ready at that point. And I was just afraid that telling him yet another reason why I want to put it off would just make him not very happy. Was he happy about it? No, but he definitely understood and he respected that ultimately, like I was the one that was going to be pregnant, not him. And so he respected my decision. And that was the plan we agreed to that, okay, we wouldn't try while we were in California. And we'll have fun with all of that kind of baby making stuff in Philadelphia in our new home. Also during that month, Stevie and I took one of the best road trips ever. So this is totally unrelated. We drove to Humboldt County, which is way, way North California, which is where Eureka 
is. So I could just only think of Eureka's Magic Castle, which apparently CV had never heard of, but I loved that show when I was little. And they have the huge, 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 huge redwood trees, the ones that you can drive through. So that was amazing. I had the best cheese I ever had in my life there. I think it's called Humboldt Fog and they do sell in Whole Foods and other places, definitely around the Western part of the state or part of the country, but I think even throughout the country. So if you're at Whole Foods or something like that, and you want a really good cheese, check out Humboldt Fog. It's so good. I can't recommend it enough. And then we drove up to Oregon. And oh my gosh, that was my first time in Oregon. And holy cow, I was like already on Zillow trying to find a house and see if we could find something within our price range and like trying to find a job for CV. We went to Bend and I just fell in love. And oh my gosh, just so, so amazing. And we went to some other places around Bend in Southern Oregon. I can't remember the names of all the places. Ashland, maybe that seems to be ringing a bell. And just an incredible road trip, literally one of my favorite, favorite road trips that we've ever done. We've done a lot of road trips. I had hoped to go to Bend again before we left California, but that didn't happen. But I do hope to visit there again, because such an incredible place. We also went down to Crater Lake National Park on our way back down to the Bay Area. And Crater Lake National Park is probably one of the most beautiful sites I have ever seen. If you're looking for an incredible national park, Crater Lake is it. It is so beautiful. The lake is just so freaking blue. I'm not even going to try to explain the science as to why it's so blue. Like, I think there actually are scientific reasons as to why it's just like that blue. Oh my gosh. So amazing. Can't recommend a trip to Oregon, a trip to Crater Lake national park, all of those places. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Moving on to August. So one night in August, I don't remember exactly when I was scrolling Instagram when I probably should have been sleeping or doing something else more productive. And I came across this woman's post about hormonal birth control. And normally I don't think that is something I would have clicked on, but I was like, "Eh, I'm kind of curious to hear what she has to say. So I clicked on it and that led me to her website, which then led me to her e-course on getting off hormonal birth control. And I got totally freaked out about birth control and what it could do to my fertility long-term, what it could do to my hormones long-term, and also just what it does while you're actually on birth control that I may not have been so aware of because I've been on it for so long. Sometimes women say that when they're on birth control, they don't even realize the haze that's kind of over them in terms of their mood or their energy or their ability to gain or lose weight, just because that's what their normal is. And then when they get off birth control, you know, it's like Pleasantville, they go from like the black and white to the color. And once I just listened to her and knew that Stevie and I were going to try to get pregnant at some point soon-ish, I guess, I was like, holy crap, I need to get this thing out of me. I had an arm implant in my arm. And my relationship with birth control is really interesting. So for those of you who've been listening for a while, you might have heard me talk about before, but I've actually been pregnant twice. One time I was 20, 21, morning after pill didn't work. So I had an abortion. And then the second time I had a copper IUD in, didn't work. But I guess because of the copper IUD, ended up miscarrying. And so I just this whole time thought, oh, I must be fertile. So I don't have to worry about it. As soon as Steve and I are ready, just take it out and then boom, (laughs) make a baby like that. But the truth is, is that's not how it's necessarily going to work. Might certainly work like that, but not necessarily. And also what's really interesting is 
You know, I would be on this birth control, especially the arm implant, which is the most successful birth control. Like I think it's literally almost impossible to get pregnant or the arm implant hormonal birth control. And yet I was always constantly paranoid that I was pregnant. And even after the time I was pregnant when I was 20, I spent most of my 20s being scared that I was pregnant. Even if I had my period, I would convince myself sometimes, well, you know, women who are pregnant can still spot and maybe this is just a little heavier than spotting, but maybe I still am pregnant. I could convince myself any day of the week, whether or not I've had sex, whether or not I recently had a period that I was pregnant. And I just thought my problem was that I just simply didn't trust my body. And what I realized after watching this woman's video and watching the course is that, and learning about basal body temperature and using that as a tool to know when I'm ovulating and then therefore when I can and can't get pregnant during the month, what I realized is that it wasn't my body that I didn't trust. It was that I didn't trust the things I was putting in my body to help me not get pregnant. I was basically outsourcing my trust rather than really just getting to know my body, getting to know my basal body temperature chart, and also getting to know when I have various kinds of cervical mucus and other symptoms you might get when you're ovulating and just being in tune with that and then knowing, oh, I've already ovulated this month. There's literally no chance that I can get pregnant. And when I was able to get into that kind of relationship with my body, this whole fear around like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, am I pregnant, am I pregnant, am I pregnant, just completely went away because the trust came from within rather than trying to outsource this trust. Okay, so September comes along and I am getting ready for another launch of the Love Incubator. And I am also doing another round of the Date Yourself Challenge. And one thing that had really been plaguing me ever since I got my new pictures done back in May and June, whenever we actually did those pictures, I had had some of the worst body image issues probably since I was in college or even high school. And I mean, the truth is, is that I had gained some weight slowly over probably like the last five years or so. And I felt a lot of shame. I felt really embarrassed. I didn't feel good about myself. I didn't feel good in my body. And at the same time, you know, this is still coinciding with developing this new relationship with my body with being really clear on where I am in my cycle of every day of the month. And so I just thought this would be a really good time to just be more aware of what I'm actually eating and how much I'm actually moving. You know, I never thought of myself as being an unhealthy person. And I don't think I'm an unhealthy person. I think in general, I eat fairly healthy. But I think what had happened is I do have a tendency to overeat. And that's been something that's been happening really my entire life. Sometimes it's just because the food's really damn good. But sometimes I do have this belief of like, I need to eat this now because I don't know I'm going to eat again, or I need to eat this now so that I can get it. Other people can't, right? It's like this little bit of survivor mentality, but I think it also plays really fully into my scarcity mentality that I definitely inherited from the family in which I grew up with. And so I think as a combination of a tendency to overeat and also maybe getting older and also I think I completely underestimated how much I was really walking around when I was living in big cities. When I was living in Washington, D.C., I was just walking everywhere. I mean, I didn't even count my steps or track my steps then, but I think I would probably get 15, 20,000 steps a day without even thinking about it because I would walk to work, walk to the grocery store, walk to Target to pick up some toilet paper, walk to a friend's house, walk to the bar, like just walk everywhere. I didn't even work out that much. 
And yet I felt good and I felt healthy in my body. And then I think slowly moving to Dallas, working from home where I didn't even have a commute, I just became a lot more sedentary, even with the exercise that I continued to do on a regular basis. That's still nothing compared to just having a daily life where you're just walking so much. And so little by little, without really noticing, I was just gaining this weight. And then I saw it in the pictures. And again, I'm not any less worthy because I put on weight. I just for myself didn't feel healthy because I wasn't moving around as much. And I could feel I was overeating like it didn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to overeat. It kind of just makes you feel bad about yourself, which makes you want to eat more. And then the cycle just kinds of spirals from there. So starting in September, I started to track what I ate. And I had a lot, a lot of mixed feelings about this because I really didn't want to go back into the calorie counting and you know, oh, I can't eat this, too many calories, this is bad food, this is a good food. Like I really was very, very sensitive to that because I had been down that road before. It's not good for anybody. And that just led to really, really poor, poor body image. It led to poor relationship with food. And I wasn't interested. However, I did want to get clear on what was I actually putting in my body. So I wasn't trying to necessarily change anything or do it quote unquote better. I just wanted to get a sense of what was I eating on a daily basis on a weekly basis. And what I realized after tracking for a couple weeks is that I was drinking a lot of wine. (laughs) And I was also indulging a lot because I really do believe that sometimes your soul just needs a piece of freaking chocolate cake, right? I don't think there's anything wrong or bad or anything like that. I don't think it's indulgent. I think it's just sometimes what we need. But what I realized is almost every day, my soul needed a piece of chocolate cake. I mean, not literally a piece of chocolate cake, but something like that, that wasn't really nourishing my body. And it almost became just another way of food addiction, maybe some sugar addiction. And it didn't feel good. I mean, I have been active my entire life. And even going on runs was challenging. So I wasn't, you know, in the same kind of shape that I used to be. And, and again, it's not about comparing the past, I just didn't feel healthy. And so I decided just to make sure that I was eating more vegetables. And through that process of just being more conscious of what I was eating and being more conscious around not overeating. And then when I did have a tendency to want to overeat, or if I did have a really bad craving for sugar or something savory or whatever it is, then I would really sit down and I would do the emotional work to figure out what was that really about? Did I just need to call a friend? Did I really just need that piece of chocolate cake? Did I need to just have sex? Did I need to go on a walk? Did I need to de-stress another way? And so In that process, I did lose some weight, which ended up kind of messing up my period. So that was a whole other stressor. (laughs) But I am now at a point in my body where I'm not tracking what I eat. I would say I'm mindful about what I eat and I eat to nourish my body. And again, sometimes, yes, that means I need to nourish my soul. And so nourishing my soul might look like in the form of a cupcake or I don't know, something else that feels super indulgent. But at least as of now, I think I'm back at a place that feels really good, where it feels really healthy. And I'm not, you know, again, like I didn't weigh myself. I don't know what I started at. I don't know what I'm at now. I just know that I feel like my clothes are fitting better. I feel a lot more energized every day. And I can tell that I'm getting stronger every time I go, you know, to an Orange Theory workout. And I just feel really great rather than like, oh, God, I'm going to die. Okay. 
So that was September. And then in October, October was a beautiful month and a couple of really amazing things happened. So was it October, September? I started working with a new podcast producer. So hopefully you can tell by listening to this show that the audio is a little better, that we have better music, better editing, all that kind of good stuff. And I don't know if it was because of that or just the stars in the sky or whatever, but I just kept getting a consistent inquiry from people around working one-on-one. And that's when I really began to realize like, wow, I could just have a business, a really simple business model where I work with clients one-on-one. I have this podcast. I post on Instagram a few times a week and that's it. Like I don't have to do all this launch crap. I don't have to spend all this money maintaining the love action tribe, because it's not just about the money of maintaining the love action tribe, there's customer service, there's the cost of launching and all of these things. And that's when I realized, like, I just want to simplify my life. And I began to see an image of where I actually could have one on one clients, and a baby because I could have a nanny or daycare or something on the days that I have clients and the days that I don't have clients, maybe I have the kid, maybe I'm just recording some podcasts, or maybe I'm writing emails, you know, I can maybe have my attention be split a little bit more. And I began to see how doable this was. And that's when I first realized, okay, I think the Love Action Tribe has to go. And it really pained me to say that I did not want to do that because I adored the women in the Love Action Tribe. I knew a lot of the women really needed the Love Action Tribe and it really helped them. But I knew that I was not going to be able to show up in the way that I needed to show up. Also, what happened is I had this crazy dream. Now, I rarely get dreams where I feel like I received a message. Sometimes I'm like, that was weird. But I received a very, very clear message. I don't know if it was my future baby. I don't know if it was God. I don't know if it was one of my ancestors. But I had a very, very clear voice say to me, Veronica, stop waiting. And they were talking about, you know, waiting to start having a baby. And I was like, I woke up and I was just like, oh my God. I turned to CV and I was like, CV, we might be having a conversation first in a second, but first let me go pull some cards. So I went into my office where all my woo stuff, all my decks are, and I pulled two cards. I pulled one card from the animal spirit deck and I pulled the deer card, which is the mother card of the deck. And then I also pulled the catalyze card from the 13 mystery moon school deck. And that just kind of reminded me of like catalyze, like, like this is very sexy, lots of fire. Right. And so I ran downstairs like, all right, Stevie, I am ready. I am ready to do this. I am clear. I know I can have the business that I already have that I want to have that I love to have and have a kid and I can just see it. It makes so much sense to me. And I feel like I'm ready to spend my free time, you know, breastfeeding and wiping butts and (laughs) having fun with my kids and all that kind of stuff. And that was just like such a moment for me because I really, really was afraid that I would never really want to have kids and see we really wanted and either we wouldn't and that would create problems in the relationship or that we would and that would create problems in the relationship because I never wanted kids. And I was just really happy that I had this dream. It was a really exciting time for me. And it was a really exciting time in our relationship because really it was the first time that we were ever truly on the same page when it came to the kids thing. Okay, so November comes around and this is the first month where 
we actually start to try to have a kid. And normally we wouldn't talk about this on a podcast, but the thing is, is that we actually just totally messed it up. And by we, I mean, I, I totally messed it up. So I was doing the basal body temperature. And those of you who aren't familiar with it, I highly recommend it as a form of birth control. I'm actually going to have some an expert come onto the show early next year to talk about it. But basically, your temperature is a little, little, little bit lower before you ovulate. And then after you ovulate, your temperature goes up about half a degree and stays high until you have your period, then it drops. And so when you use the basal body temperature method, or it's called the fertility awareness method, then you know that after your temperature goes up, you've already ovulated, there's no egg to fertilize. And so you're good to go. And then before you ovulate, once you get to know your cycle, you can see how many days prior to you ovulate that you could potentially have sex. So a sperm can live in your body to up to five days. So if you ovulate on day 14, which most women don't, but let's just say you ovulate on day 14, then you wouldn't want to have sex between days eight or nine to 14 because a sperm can live that long and potentially fertilize an egg. But then before that, you would be in your safe zone. So you can have sex and not have to worry about it. Okay, so that's how it works. And that's what I was doing. And so I was looking at this app that I use to track all of this for me. And it said that I was going to be ovulating the following Thursday from when I had this dream. And so sperm lives for five days, like, all right, CB, time to get started. Let's go. (laughs) And so we were trying to make a baby that week. And then once my ovulation day came, according to the app, I was like, all right, we're good. We're done. In very Capricorn fashion. And then what happened three or four days later is my app updated itself. And I was like, oh, we see that you didn't ovulate on Thursday, but you actually ovulated the following Tuesday. And so what happened is we missed my most fertile days. I didn't realize this until obviously the ovulation changed. And of course, at that point, my temperature is already up, which means I already ovulated. So there was really nothing I could do until the following month. And so there's a period of time between when you ovulate and a potential egg gets fertilized and when you get your period or when you don't get your period. And that's called the two-week wait. And if you're trying to have a kid, that two-week wait can feel completely agonizing. And really this two-week wait for me turned into a three-week wait because my ovulation actually got pushed back about five days than when it was originally predicted. And so it was like this awful three weeks of like, okay, I'm probably not pregnant, but a fertilization could have potentially occurred because we had sex six days before I ovulated, which again, possible, but the likelihood is way, way lower. Obviously it gets higher the closer you are to ovulation when you have sex. And this taught me a few things. One, it taught me that this was just another way that I was outsourcing my trust instead of listening to the signs in my own body, because there's lots of other symptoms you get around ovulation. I was completely ignoring that and saying, oh, the app says I haven't ovulated. So that's what I was going with rather than just being in tune with my body. So that was a tough lesson that I learned that month. And the other thing that this process has really helped me to cultivate is this idea of non-attachment, all happens in divine timing. And where have I said these things before? It's with my clients, right? I have so many clients that are like, Veronica, I wanted to meet my person yesterday. And they go out on dates and they are looking to see, okay, will this person be a good potential match? And they're dating from their head, looking at someone like they're a checklist or, you know, a piece of paper and like, do they mark all the boxes and they look good on paper and all of those things when they really need to be letting go, trusting it's all going to happen in divine timing and whether or not this person is the person for them, there's something for them to learn. So it's their soulmate may not be their forever soulmate. And 
that's a not easy thing to do, right? Like that takes so much. Like it is not easy to let go like that, especially when it's something that you so strongly desire in your life. And then especially if you are in my client demographic of being in the mid to late 30s, early 40s that, you know, you're still really wanting a child. And so now being in this place, like I haven't been in this place of non-attachment with dating in a long time, right? I was there and I practiced it, but it was a long time ago, right? And so I really appreciate this new part of my life where I am desiring a child and I really deeply desire, not like I'm just saying, but I actually deeply in my bones am desiring a child right now. And it's teaching me it's going to happen in divine timing. It's teaching me that whatever happens or doesn't happen, it's all for my highest good. And there's lessons to be learned. It's also teaching me that, you know, what is for me cannot pass me, right? So like, I believe that the soul of my baby already exists. And if you're listening to this, and you're desiring a baby, the soul of your baby already exists, and it cannot pass you, it's going to come to you one way or another, it might come to you through the way of a pregnancy that you have yourself and give birth to that child, that baby may come to you through an adoption process, that baby may come to you in the form of a stepchild, that baby may come to you in some other form. But what I do know is that what is for you cannot pass you and the soul of your baby is already here. The soul of my baby is already here. The soul of the partner, the person you're supposed to be with is already here. And the more than I can connect with that, then the easier it is for me to help guide my clients down that same path when it comes to their love life. And I'm not leading now from a place of like recalling what it was like seven years ago before I met my husband, but I'm actually walking through it right now. Maybe it's in a little bit of a different universe, but like it's all still the same, right? It's still the exact same thing. And so I just have so much gratitude for that. Okay. So finally, we're going to wrap this puppy up with December. And truth be told, I am recording this podcast halfway through December. So I don't know what's going to happen the second half, except that I do know we're going to have the winter solstice, which is my favorite day of the year. We're going to have my birthday, which I'm super excited about. But the first half of December was a really trying month for for me. It was not easy. And partly is because of what I was talking about earlier, really having to learn to trust that what is for me cannot pass me. And I also officially closed the Love Action Tribe. I had told the woman in the tribe back in November that I was going to be closing and December was going to be a month that was free. And it was just a really celebratory month for us to connect and reflect and just have a little ritual to close out the tribe in a really special, meaningful, grounded way. Now, I will be completely honest, one of my patterns when I was dating was I would kind of just want to let things fizzle, or I would want the other person to break up with me. I never wanted to break up with the other person because I thought, well, I don't want to make that mistake because what if I shouldn't break up with them? So I'll let them break up with me because then I can't blame myself for making a mistake for breaking up with someone, right? Like, I don't know, that's where my mind was. And so there was a part of me that just wanted to let the Love Action Tribe fizzle and just let it slowly go away because there's attrition and people would slowly leave. But I was like, holy shit, that is awful. I can't do that to the women that are there. And that's not good integrity. And that's not the kind of person that I am and the woman that I want to be. And so... I made an announcement and I decided just to have this beautiful last time, last little bit together. And it's been such a blessing. It's been such a treat. And it's a little scary, right? Because like these people are saying, yeah, Veronica, I want to pay you every month to be part of this community. And I'm saying, "Mm, I'm not going to take your money. And from a business perspective, it's scary, right? Like, 
you know, my one-on-one clients and my love incubator by far are the biggest drivers of my business from a financial standpoint. But of course, it didn't hurt to have the Love Action Tribe at all. And so it was just a little scary to let that part of my business go when I hadn't necessarily quote unquote replaced it with something else. But I also felt like it was really important for me to let it go and then let something else kind of rebirth in its place, kind of like the rise of the phoenix from the ashes or whatever, because waiting to figure out what my next thing would be while the tribe was still going on just A, energetically, that would just be way too draining and it wouldn't be fair to the women in the Love Action Tribe. And so as of now in my business, I officially only work with women one-on-one and I have the women in the Love Incubator, which is my group coaching that has a one-on-one element to it. I don't know when I'm launching that again. It might be later this year. It might not. Part of that just kind of depends on baby stuff. So I really don't know when and if I will launch that again. What I am tentatively planning to do is host some weekend virtual retreats, which I'm super excited about. I'm excited to host Get Over Your Ex in a weekend. And I haven't come up with a name, but something around dating patterns. And I'll do like a virtual workshop for that. It'll be over a weekend thing. And I'll try to make it feel like a retreat as much as possible, even though it's going to be virtual. So hopefully more people can We'll be able to join from, you know, around the world. And of course, that will keep the price point down so that it's more accessible to different kinds of women. So that's where I am right now in December. So I'm looking forward to taking the last two weeks off for myself. I will definitely be finishing The Crown Binge. I love The Crown. It's one of my favorite TV shows ever. So I will definitely be watching that. And I will definitely be doing some goal setting, some intention setting. So definitely a combination of kind of the woo stuff and what I want 2020 to be. And then I'll also be doing some goal setting. Although again, because I'm on baby watch of when that may or may not happen, I'm not really planning that far out into the future. I'm only going to be planning the next 90 days or so, and I'll just keep planning in 90-day increments. But of course, I'll be doing this from Philadelphia. By the time you listen to this, we will be en route to Philadelphia. So make sure you follow me on Instagram. We're taking this epic road trip across the country. We're going to Sequoia National Park. We're going to Death Valley, Grand Canyon. Albuquerque, Dallas, Atlanta, North Carolina, Washington, D.C., and then finally Philadelphia. So follow me over on Instagram, um, Veronica E. Grant, to keep in touch and see all of our adventures together. It should be really fun. Hopefully some good photos and moments to share with you. And this podcast has gotten long enough, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this puppy up. But I would love to hear what your 2019 was like for you. So feel free to send me an email, hello at veronicagrant.com, or reach out to me on Instagram, Veronica E. Grant. Send me a DM. I really do want to hear from you, and I will respond if you send me a message. And also, just a reminder, if you want a coaching session with me, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash 200. Those spots will fill, and whether or not they are filled, that offer will close down in about four days from the time this recording goes live. So that's like January. I'm not looking at a calendar 12th or so, whatever that Sunday evening is. So make sure you jump on that ASAP. The prices will never be that low again, even if I decide to offer one-offs in the future. So this is really a unique opportunity that I do not want you to miss. All right, my dear, that's all I've got for you. And I will see you next week with a brand new coaching episode of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. 
It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.